All right. I need some participation. I need some help. And uh, I need some, some braveness out there, bravery and courage, like a lion, okay? Has anyone here ever cried during a movie? Like, that's it? That's all you got? All right. Any of you, like, that kind of person that cries at, like, every movie? Any of you willing to, yeah, there's some very gentle hands going up. I love that. There's some courage and bravery. Now, some of you might feel like you're manly, macho. I don't cry at movie. I implore you to watch Rudy and not cry. Okay. It's an old school callback, but come on. Rudy's great. Or maybe if you don't want to admit it, you just suddenly notice your allergies flaring up during a movie, right? And like, oh man, that's my allergies, seasonal allergies. Have you ever cried during a kid's movie? Yeah. I'm a sucker for the kid movies, okay? I don't really like, I'm not a big crier in general in my life, but I get really teary, okay? I, I tear up. And that's what happens to me when I watch a lot of kids movies, almost everyone now. It first started with Cars 3, which I do not understand because I don't like Cars 1. I don't like Cars 2. But Cars 3 just got me. And I mentioned this here before. Mike Klepser makes fun of me endlessly for it. And I say, you just haven't been paying attention enough. Because there's something about kids' movies that just get us, right? There's stories of underdogs overcoming the seemingly impossible. And you just cheer them on and just feel that joy flow through you. And then there's outcasts who find their place or their belonging. The bully gets his comeuppance, right? And you just get so excited. Or someone who thinks they're worthless suddenly realizes they do indeed have worth. There's something about movies. We call them magical because even though they're fantastical and imaginative, they deal with real-life experiences. And we can relate to them. And sometimes our emotions connect to the emotions of the movies and we feel things. But you can take it a step further if you're a Jesus follower because often we may see these biblical themes that are hinted at or played with in these animated films. And that's what this series is all about, preaching pixels. We're looking at these pixelated movies and we're pulling out some of these biblical truths that when you think about them, you go, ooh, that'll preach. So that's what we're diving into today. And we say this knowing that these are not We're not saying like, you know, Disney movies are like gospel or anything. Of course not. We're not saying that, right? We're saying there are themes present within that we can pull out of almost like they are a parable where we can compare to God's true word and rest on his true promises. So today's all about the Lion King. In case you didn't know when we sang Just Can't Wait to Be King, I had considered a singing Circle of Life. Do you guys remember how Circle of Life begins? Anybody? Kylie went for it. I love it. Yeah. Miles has been uh, wanting me to sing that at church. I'm like, buddy, I, I tried and lead and be vulnerable at church, but that's even too far for me. Not too far for Kylie, so thank you for that. If you've never seen The Lion King, you need to watch it. It's been out since 94, and it's a great movie. Or if you need a refresher, let me give you a quick synopsis. It's the story of Simba. He's a lion cub. His uncle is Scar. And he murders Simba's father, Mufasa. Mufasa is the king of the Pride Lands. But Scar kills him, murders him. Simba didn't see it. And what does Scar do but blames and shames and guilts Simba into believing it was all his fault. And he tells Simba to run away. 
And as he runs away, Scar tries to have him killed too, but Simba gets away. Scar takes Mufasa, well, and now Simba's rightful place as king over the pride lands. Simba escapes. He embraces a Hakuna Matata lifestyle. What does Hakuna Matata mean? Means no worries. That's right. He's trying to forget all his haunting past, all these feelings of guilt and shame, and he's trying to just kind of block it out and just live in a place of no worries and trying to just avoid it all. But then he's reminded of his true identity, his true calling, and how desperately he's needed back at home because of what has happened with Scar as king. He has a come to Mufasa moment. <laughs> he learns the truth. He set a come to Mufasa moment. It's kind of like a come to Jesus moment. But it's not as powerful, but powerful enough for Simba. He has a come to Mufasa moment. He learns the truth. He's set free from his lie, and he runs back home. He confronts Scar. He defeats him. He takes his place as the rightful ruler of Pride Rock. Guys, remember that movie? If you haven't seen it, are you like, I need to watch that, right? Yeah. It's animated, it's lions, it's really good. That's true. I haven't seen that yet. Is it good, Greg? All right. Live action one, Greg recommends, okay? I can't recommend because I haven't seen it, but Greg recommends it. Anyone brave enough to say they cried or teared up during The Lion King? Yeah, Uh uh-huh. The rest of you? Of fear from the hyenas? Oh, get out. They are scary. Okay, as a kid. Which brings us to a recurring segment. When did Kevin tear up during the movie of the week? I'll let you know in a little bit, but I definitely did a couple times. The story, you can sense, it's a powerful story of innocence, brokenness, betrayal, redemption, dripping with biblical themes, so much so we actually don't have time to cover all of them well. But we're going to look at some of the ways this fascinating tale reminds us of the even more fascinating and true tale found in God's Word. The first thing that we notice even comes from the title and the whole story, the idea of Lion King. Lion King reminds us that we ourselves are royal children of the one true king. If you're a man or one of the Hope Kids boys in here, if you're male, I want you to say, I'm a prince. There you go, Ethan. Ethan's a prince. The rest of you men, are you a prince? Say, I'm a prince. How about the females in the room? Say, I'm a princess. God is king and we are his children. You are prince and princesses of that one true king. And we'll get to how we pull that out from this movie in just a minute. You see, Mufasa, he's the king of Pride Rock. In the Lion King, in this universe, there is no higher authority. Mufasa is the top lion, if you will. And Simba is his beloved son. You may remember the opening montage and, and you have Rafiki and, and Simba and It's a powerful opening, but if you're a Jesus follower, you can't avoid the baptismal imagery here. You see the fruit, the fruit things open, and Rafiki marks Simba, right? And then, and then he presents Simba to the world as the clouds roll back and the light shines down upon him. And if you know God's word, you, you say, that sounds familiar. And then even later, Mufasa talks to adult Simba. This is after Mufasa dies, and he says to him, remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. And we take these images and that phrase and we remember Jesus' baptism. 
when he comes out of the water, the clouds open up and the Spirit descends like a dove upon Jesus the Christ. And God says, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And we're also reminded of God's words for us. It's all throughout the Bible. But here in 2 Corinthians, it says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We watch this movie of Simba, and we see his, his innocence of his proclaiming, I want to be king. We see his innocence shattered in the story. We see his guilt and his shame and his hurt, and then his restoration and his victory. And we find ourselves in that place as children of the victorious king. And what we find is that God has given each and every one of us a royal and holy calling. And our identity isn't found in what we've done. It isn't found in what has happened to us. It is found in our relationship to him and him alone. What else does the Lion King remind us of when we read it? Or read it. I've never read the novelization of the Lion King. I'm sure it's out there. But when we watch it, the Lion King reminds us we have a good, a loving and a just king who sacrifices everything for us. In the Lion King world, we're moved and we are saddened deeply by the death of Mufasa. I mean, a poll went out last year and this scene was voted number one most heartbreaking movie scene of all time. I have a feeling that's where a few of you maybe shed a few tears. And you see this image and yeah, you just remember the heartbreak. If you're a kid, maybe you don't know this because your parents fast-forwarded through it. Or maybe your kid watched it the first time this week. Parents, any of you get into a deep talk about the realities of death <laughs> this week <laughs> by watching this, right? Or perhaps some of you were scarred from your childhood of experiencing this. It's a deeply moving moment. Moving because we feel the weight of the loss that Simba experiences. It's, it's moving because we can feel his hurt. We can see his hurt. The older we get, the more we can look in our own lives and see that we have felt what he must have felt. And movies have a way of doing that, pulling at our emotions and pulling it out of us. And if you're a Jesus follower, this scene really hits home. Because we can put ourselves in Simba's place. We can put ourselves all alone in the middle of a valley we are led into that valley by the lies of the enemy. Like Scar telling Simba, the enemy tells us lies and we stand in that place. The stampede comes, which represents certain death. And all our demise is all but final, with no way out, no hope of escape. Because death is coming and it's too big, we cannot avoid it. But our good and our perfect and our loving king swoops in, saves us, and takes our place and dies in our place so that we might live. Because the one true king, not the lion king, the one true king, God Almighty loves us, his children, so much he sent Jesus to die for us so that we may live. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were in that valley, either believing the lies of the enemy or because of the hardships of life, we know that Christ died for us. 
this movie reminds us that in our own lives, we have a good, a loving, and a just king who sacrifices everything for us. And the last thing this movie reminds us of that we'll talk about this morning is we have an enemy, an enemy who lies, who shames, who guilts, who manipulates, who kills. In this movie, we have Scar. You were maybe traumatized by the hyenas. I was traumatized by this guy. Menacing, one of the greatest villains of all time in cinema. The song, this is the beginning of Be Prepared. Do you remember that song? It's frightening. It's frightening if you're five or if you're 50. In every way in the animated world, Scar is pride personified. That was a lion pun, pride. We can take it. It's pride personified. He believes he and he alone should be king. No one else. That he is better than everyone else. And this song is his glorious vision as him in place as king. And he'll do anything, he'll say anything to make that happen. Why is this Scar such a bad guy? Well, he takes his cues from Satan, from our enemy, from God's enemy. And the scary thing is Satan's even worse than Scar. Satan believes himself to be better than God. He longed to be king of all, to set himself higher than even God, even the one who created him. We see vision of this said in Isaiah, where it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, that's Satan, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you, Satan, have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Sounds almost like a verse from Be Prepared. Satan believed this, Satan attempted this, and God cast him out of the heavens. He is his enemy. And what are some of his tools? Well, his primary tool is probably to lie. Just as scar deals endless death-dealing lies, so does Satan. So much so, look at what Jesus said when he's addressing some unbelievers. You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires talking about Satan here, he was a murderer from the very beginning. He's not holding on to the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He doesn't just lie. All he does is lie. Satan has no truth in him. That's our enemy, who is seeking to bring us down. An enemy who lies, who shames, who guilts, who manipulates, and kills. And outside of God, we are prone to believe these lies. We're prone to try and escape our pain and run from it and flee from it, to even run from our purpose if we believe these lies, just as Simba runs away. 
Simba bought, bought into the next dangerous lie in his life, which was the lie of Hakuna Matata, which seems like a really good thing, a life of no worries. On surface, that seems awesome. But in reality, it's not. And in reality, that's what our culture would want us to believe. No worries. I'm just going to do my own thing and not worry about anything else or any consequences or anything like that. To skirt all responsibility, as Simba did, as his people back home suffered. When we start to live a lie long enough, we even start to believe it. And we may pull others into it. In the movie, Nala comes trying to save her people. They have to go far to hunt because everything's scarce. And she encounters Simba, and they're delighted to see each other. It's his childhood friend and soon-to-be wife, however that works in the Lion Kingdom. And she longs for Simba to go back. But Simba does all he can to try and keep Nala to stay with him. Stay here. You don't have to worry back home. Don't worry about those people. Nothing good is there. This is good. But Nala's like, what are you talking about? I must go back. When we live a lie long enough, we start to believe it and pull others into it. Simba believed living the Hakuna Matata lifestyle was the answer. And frankly, a lot of us do too. And when we're weak, we believe the lie of the enemy saying, yeah, it's okay to be about what I want. It's okay to skirt responsibility, to just enjoy life, to coast through life, acting almost as if our king died just so we could be comfortable. That's not why he died. The lies of the enemy are sweet. They speak to us in our weakness. And they seek to pull and lure us away from God and fulfilling our God-given purpose for the king and for the kingdom. If our inheritance is a royal one, then our work is a high holy calling to live into our identity as sons and daughters of the one true king. So if you've been living that lie, there is hope because there's beauty. We might have an enemy in Satan, but like all Disney movies, our story that we're living has a happy ending because the ultimate enemy, Satan, has already been defeated. Praise God. He is going to do everything he can to bring people down as he is in his death throes, but he is defeated. And God's love and his power, they're so great that the greatest loss this world has ever seen, the death of Jesus, was the greatest victory of all time. For on the cross, death was defeated. It no longer has the final say. Sin no longer has the final say. We have been given life eternal if we believe that God is king. We give him our life, that we're sorry for our sins. The moment that I strike as the most profound in this movie— it's not Mufasa's death that is very sad and that does hit me, but I don't tear up there. It happens later. After this Hakuna Matata stuff. After Nala comes, Rafiki finds him. Simba's lost, trying to bury his past in his pain, believing himself responsible for his father's death. He had believed the enemy's lie. He is in a prison of shame, guilt, and heartache. And perhaps when you roll back in your life, 
you can find places where you have been there too. But Simba is finally confronted to deal with his pain and his guilt and his shame. And he has this powerful scene where things change, where he's finally convicted of his negligence and he must make a choice. He's confronted by Mufasa's ghost, who though dead, still lives on in Simba. And he has this encounter. Simba says, Father, Mufasa appearing in the stars says, Simba, you've forgotten me. No, how could I? You have forgotten. You are and so have, excuse me, you have forgotten who you are. And so you have forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. And Simba says what all of us have said in those places. How can I go back? How can I face this? I'm not who I used to be. Mufasa doesn't shame him, doesn't guilt him. He says, remember who you are. You are my son, the one true king. Remember who you are. He fades away. Simba's left alone with his thoughts. He makes the decision. He tells Simone and Puma, I'm going back. And he starts to run. Rafiki celebrates. And that is the moment I tear up. Because that is the human story. That is the human story. Each and every one of us. If we haven't before, we will find ourselves in a place where we wonder, is this all worth it? Can I live into this high and holy calling that God has given me? the guilt, the shame, the heartache that I feel, am I going to face that or am I going to just try and keep bearing it? But when we come face to it, we're afraid of our judgment. But what does God say? You are my son. You are my daughter. And you I love. And he calls us back to do what he's called us to. Because our identity is not defined by our shortcomings. We're not defined by the lies of the enemy. We're not defined by our failures. Our identity is defined by our relationship with our Father. So I wonder where in your life you may need to remember who you are as a child of the one true king. If just watching a, an hour and a half Disney movie can evoke these thoughts in us that we're royal children of the one true king, that we have a good and a loving and a just king who sacrifices everything for us, and that we have an enemy who is going to do all he can to bring us down through lying and shaming, guilting, manipulating, killing, all that stuff. But an enemy who is ultimately defeated by God's great love then we can rest in the assurance that ultimately our identity is not found in those things. It is found as children of the one true king. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are, who you belong to. And remember that God has called you to more. May it be so for all of us as we seek the Spirit's guidance as he propels us forward to do his kingdom work here today. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have given us this gospel story. But this gospel story is not just some created 
imagined tale such as the Lion King. It is true. It is your work. It is who you are. It is what you have done for us. God, you have given us life when before there was only death. You have saved us from our sin and taken it upon yourself to do so because of your great love for us. Father, we rejoice that your love is so great that it casts out all evil. It casts out all fear that it meets us and restores us and renews us to you again. God, we long to remember who we are as your children. We thank you for our identity. Thank you that it's found in you and you alone. We thank you that you are a God whose love is so great. So we proclaim that truth as we're about to sing that truth, God. And may we believe it even when we find ourselves in the valley. We love you and thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.